I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and then I want you to look at Romans chapter 8. Now, I want you to hold on. When you get to Romans 8, I want you to hold on, and I want you to stay in there, because we're going to stay in there for a while, because we're going to do a, a, we're going to look at something that is so powerful that's found in the scriptures. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. For everyone born of God overcomes. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So John says, if you're born of God, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, then you are an overcomer. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now this morning I want to begin a brand new series and we're going to kind of work through Romans chapter 8 and I want to entitle it Overcomer. And if there's one thing the Bible is clear about is that God's people that are born of him should be called overcomers. They're called to live a victorious life. They're called to be winners. They're called to be the last one standing. And that God's people should be so deeply convinced, listen to me, that God's people should be so deeply convinced that they can do all things through Christ, that they can face incredible obstacles and still win, that they can go through difficult situations and come out stronger and wiser and more confident, even spiritually more healthy, and convinced that God is totally in control of their life. Friends, I want you to make no mistake this morning. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to live in fear and worry. Come on, somebody say amen. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to stay in your addictions. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be bound by sin. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be bound by the fears of this world. But Jesus died on the cross so you and I might be more than conquerors. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? I need to hear you this morning. Are you with me? Jesus died on the cross and he triumphed over sin, Satan, and the grave so you and I could be victorious. In, my, in our lives. And so I believe that one of the greatest chapters, if not the greatest chapters in all the Bible, is Romans chapter 8. Now, I love all the Bible. I love every word in the Bible. I feel like sometimes people take what they want and leave what they don't want. But listen, I believe that the Bible is the infallible, inspired word of God. Every syllable, every word that's found in the scripture is inspired by God. And friends, I want you to know that there are some scriptures that I don't like to read. You say, Pastor, you don't like to read some of the... Yeah, there are some scriptures I can't understand. There are some scriptures that I don't like to read because some of them, man, they're just not only hard to understand, they're hard to swallow. But the truth of the matter is all of God's word is... Is God's word and some of it we don't understand because we're on this side of eternity. 
eternity, and we have the mind of maybe of our, inf- our finite mind can't understand the things of an infinite God, and his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts that sometimes we read something in the scripture and we're like, God, I, only in heaven am I going to truly understand why you did that. But I want you to know today that Romans chapter 8, if not the greatest, it is one of the greatest chapters in all of scripture. Why? Because only in Romans do you see the the majesty of the Trinity of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit at work saving mankind. It's in Romans chapter 8 that we see the power of the cross in our life. It's in Romans chapter 8 that we actually see the depth of God's love, that God's love is so deep, that God's love is so wide, that God's love is so high, that God's love is so profound in our life that Paul the Apostle says nothing in all the world will be able to separate me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. We see a God who is sovereign. We see the power of the Spirit at work in our life in Romans chapter 8. We see the power of God's wisdom. We see even the purpose of suffering in our life and the future glory that will be revealed in us. We see the power of praying in the Holy Spirit, and we certainly see the power of hope in Romans chapter 8. I want you to live, for the next couple of weeks, I want you to live in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is the crown jewel of all of God's divine wisdom through Jesus Christ. And Paul the apostle, he tells us that in Romans chapter 8, because of what Jesus has done, because of what God has provided for us through Jesus Christ, his son, because of God's unlimited, undeniable, unending, uninhibited love, we are more than conquerors. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life, but you're more than a conqueror. That we just don't conquer, but we're more than conquerors, that we just don't win, we really win, that we just don't triumph, but we really triumph, that we don't just have victory in our life, but we've got unending victory in our life, that we don't just have temporary wins, but we have eternal wins, that we just don't overcome, but we're more than conquerors. We're just not a conqueror, but he says we're more than a conqueror. We're more than victors. We're more than winners, that that we go beyond, that I is not seen, nor ears heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. So Paul the Apostle says we're more than conquerors. But, but listen to me. Paul the Apostle never once tells us that, that being more than a conqueror means that we're never going to face a trial in our life. Paul never told us one time that we would, being a conqueror would mean that we would never face difficulties in our life, that we would never have to deal with disappointments in our life, that we would never have to deal with suffering in our life, that we would never have to go through a time in our life where we would say, God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life, but I'm going to trust you with all my heart, and I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in all your ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, even if your ways means that I've got to go through a valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to still trust you. Even if your will means that I've got to go through the fiery trials of my life, even if I'm persecuted, even if I face death, even if I face a battle with the forces of darkness, I won't stop believing. Why? Because I'm more than a conqueror in all these things that I've got to go through in my life. Come on, somebody help me out. You see, there's going to be times when we're going to have questions in our life and we're not going to understand why God does what he he does, but we will not fall. 
we will not fall into doubt and unbelief. And even when we fall into sin, we have a Lord, a Savior who loves us deeply. He'll forgive us, as the Bible says, if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In fact, Paul tells us that we actually find victory and greater revelation in God's unchanging love through the very hard and difficult times of our life. Notice the context of Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39. Notice what Paul says. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to the slaughter no in all these things what things in all these things everybody say in all these things In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, the most difficult situation in my life, nor the life that I live today and all the problems that I face every day of my life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, the things that are present in my life right now, or the things that that are going to come in my life in the future, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, the highest mountain, or the lowest valley nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord notice the context in which Paul is finding his victory notice the context in which Paul sees himself as more than a conqueror notice the context of which Paul discovers God's power the powerful unending undiminishing undeniable love that undergirds his life it's in the midst of tribulation intense suffering with no seeming escape. It's in the midst of distress, inner stress that threatens our peace and, and and our understanding of why God's allowing certain things to happen in our life. It's in the midst of persecution, being rejected and hurt because we are Christians. It's in the midst of famine. Listen to me. God's people have always faced difficult times in their life. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have many tribulations, things that try to suck the joy out of your life, things that try to get you to doubt the existence and and the goodness and faithfulness of God. And the Bible tells us that we are going to even face times of of shortest when we're not going to have everything that we want. We're going to have times of shortage, times where we're going to have the famine of our soul and sometimes even famine of food. Listen to me, I want to tell you something. Only in America Only the American church believes that God exists to bless them beyond and beyond and beyond measure and give them anything they want. If they want a Cadillac, all I need to do is pray in the name of Jesus and I got a Cadillac. Come on, somebody. Only in this materialistic country do we pray silly prayers like, God, I don't have enough, God. I want more. Friend, I want you to know you have enough. Come on, somebody. We've got all that we need. We've got enough. But only in this country do we believe that God really exists to be a heavenly Santa Claus to give us all of the things that we want in our life. You go to the parts of the world like like Africa. You go to parts of the world like India where the Christians are living, literally living in famine. And you 
ask them what, what it means to really love God and be more than a conqueror, they're going to give you the right answer. They're going to tell you that even though they're going through difficult times, even though they face famine in their life, even though they're being persecuted for their faith, they're the, they know that they know that they know that God's love is deeper than any situation in their life. They know that they know that they know that God's got a plan for their life. They know that they know that they know that God has a future for them. They know that they're going to see Jesus one day. They know that even in this world, even if they're put to death, they're still winners. Come on, somebody say amen. Why? Because they possess an eternal perspective on life. Come on, somebody. See, we've got to begin to change the way that we really see the word of God. You see, some people know the Bible enough to be dangerous, and they don't know the Bible enough to be even more dangerous. So that's the problem. See, we, we really actually, as Christians, especially American Christians, we love to take a, a portion of Scripture from here, and we love to take a portion of Scripture from here, and we love to make our own little doctrines. And we make those doctrines revolve around us because we really believe we're God and God is there to serve us. No, no, no. The truth of the matter is, is we exist to serve God. We have been created for his pleasure, his purpose, and his purpose goes way beyond this world. Come on, somebody help me out and say amen. And so Paul the apostle is telling us that we're more than conquerors in the midst of difficult situations in his life. He says, through famine, through nakedness, even the sword. He said, in the midst of peril and dangerous situations that can threaten our very safety for the sake of the kingdom of God and the glory of God, for the sake of God's plan in our life, in the context of the sword, pain and violence, Paul tells us, in all these things, we're more than a conqueror. In all these things, we're more than victors. We're winners in our life. Why? Because, listen, God knows and you know that you're going to go through a difficult time in your life. And friends, if the only time that you can praise the Lord, if the only time that you can be good for God or do good things for the kingdom of God, if the only time that you can feel like you're a winner is when you've got no problems in your life, you're going to feel like a loser most of the time. Come on, somebody. But you see, it's really powerful. It is the most powerful witness of a person who loves God and knows God and believes that God's got a plan for their life beyond even this life. It, the most powerful witness of all is when somebody is going through the fire, but they're still singing. Come on. Somebody that's in the hospital, they're still praising the Lord. Somebody that's even thrown in prison, and like Paul the apostle, they're preaching the gospel to the prisoners. Come on, somebody. It's when you're going through the darkest, deepest times of your life that you can shine the brightest. Come on, somebody. It's when you're going through the most difficult times of your life that you could say, but I know in all these things, what things, in all the problems, in all the suffering, in all the pain of my life, I can still praise the Lord because I'm going to be the last one standing. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Look at the context of what Paul says. In verse 36, if you still don't believe it's the right context, verse 36, as it is written, he's quoting Psalms 44, for your sake, we are killed all day long. Paul says, for the gospel's sake, for the glory of God, because God has a plan for our life, we are killed all day long. In other words, your kingdom's first, Lord God. I die daily to my own desires in my life. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things, we're winners. 
in death, we're still a winner. In life, we're still a winner. Even against angels and demons and principalities, we're still more than conquerors. That the devil can't steal my joy. The devil can't steal my peace. The devil certainly can't steal my passion. The devil can't steal my purpose. You see, your purpose goes far beyond this world. Your purpose goes far beyond what you could see with the human eye. Eye is not seen nor ear is heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. And nothing can steal our victory. And I believe that every child of God needs to remind themselves that they're more than conquerors. And in the next several weeks, we're going to discover how we can live in victory over fear and anxiety and doubt and unbelief and sin and temptation and insecurity and depression and, and so much more. Why? Because it's time for the body of Christ. It's time for we children of God to rise up and know who we are in Christ, that we're the head and not the tail. And we are blessed going in and we're blessed going out. And God does have a plan for our life. And it's a big plan. It's a huge plan. And God is still at work in our life. And we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we've got to be convinced that neither death nor life nor any other creation in all the world can separate us from God's plan and God's love for our life. Come on, somebody help me out today and say amen. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at what I call the overcomer's creed. Now, if you didn't receive one of these on the way in, just raise your hand as high as you can and keep your hand lifted as high as you can. We want to give you one of these creeds. I developed this. I was so excited this week as I was praying. I was actually praying, walking down, you know, walking around the blocks and just praying and asking God to, to give me a message and just meditating on God's word. And and I started to read Romans chapter 8, and I got so excited reading Romans chapter 8 because I could see the power of God's word coming through through Romans chapter 8. I want you to know it truly is the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. It's the foundation of how we believe, how we live our life, how we react to trials and suffering, and how we know that we're secure in the love of God. And so I, I call this the overcomer's creed, and I want you to actually post this somewhere. I want you to put it somewhere where you frequent. If you go to the refrigerator all the time, then put it on the refrigerator. Wherever you go, I want you to post this, and I want you to always remind yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. I want you to remind yourself that you're more than a conqueror. I want you to remind yourself that you're a winner. I want you to remind yourself that you're victorious. I want you to remind yourself that no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what life is throwing at you, that you're gonna be the last one standing. So we're gonna begin this week and we're gonna start it and then we're gonna pick it up next week. But I wanna talk to you, number one, about what God's word says in verse number one of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, we are, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so I want you to say with me, I am no longer condemned. Come on, let me hear you say it again. I am no longer condemned. See, Paul the Apostle tells us that if we're truly going to live a life of victory, if we're truly going to live a life of being more than a conqueror, then we've got to recognize that there's no condemnation in our life. 
Now, what is condemnation and how does it work in the Christian's life? How does it work in the believer's life to work against them when it comes to them understanding who they are in Christ Jesus? Well, you see, condemnation comes in and tells you that whatever's going on in your life and however you're living your life, and even if you're struggling in your life, whatever it is, it's never going to change. You see, condemnation is final. Condemnation says it's never going to change in your life. You're never going to change in your life. I know all of us struggle, every one of us in this room. We struggle with stuff in our life. And the enemy comes, the Bible says the devil is a liar. Come on, everybody say the devil's a liar. The Bible tells us that the devil is the father of lies. And he's always whispering in our ears. And he's always telling us that we're condemned, that we never measure up, that we're never going to measure up to the things that God wants for our life. We're never going to measure up to what God wants us to be in our life. And he condemns us. And what is condemnation? Condemnation says you are condemned to failure. You're condemned. You're sentenced to doom. You're appointed to destruction. You can't possibly win. You can't possibly make it. You're bound to lose. Why? Because you're cursed. I can't tell you how many Christians, born again Christians, come to me and tell me, you know what, Pastor Steve, I'm going through all these problems in my life. I must be cursed. Friend, the Bible tells us that Jesus became a curse on the tree so that we could become the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. And so too many of us, when we're going through problems in our life, when we're going through situations in our life, when we're going through valleys in our life, and God promised us that we're going to have valleys in our life. And God promised us that we're going to have fires in our life. And God promised us that we're going to go through pain and suffering in our life. But you see, because we have this American gospel that's been shoved down our throat, and we, we, we have been told that if we give our life to Jesus, my life is going to get really good, and I'm going to have everything that I want, and I'm never going to go through a problem in our life. That's not true. It's not biblical. The truth is, Jesus said, in this world, you will have many tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. Glory to God. I have overcome. So now I make you an overcomer. So the the, the thing that happens so often in our life is when we're going through problems in our life, we begin to wonder, am I really blessed by God? When we face a difficulty in our life, am I blessed by God or am I cursed by God? And because I am not being blessed the way that I see I should be blessed, then it must be that I'm cursed. And if I'm cursed, then I'm condemned. And if I'm condemned, nothing is going to change in my life. Listen to me, child of God. Paul tells us that we're more than a conqueror, that we're more than victors, that that we're winners. Why? Because there is, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, we've got to go back to Romans chapter 7 to really understand what Paul is actually talking about. Now, if Romans 8 is one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible, I believe that Romans, the book, is one of the most powerful books in the Bible. Why? Because Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 actually helps us to understand that we're all sinners, that every one of us falls short of the glory of God. The good news is coming. So Paul takes Romans 1, 2, and 3, and he makes the argument that no matter who you are, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you've grown up in the church all your life, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a pastor, whoever you are, you start out being a sinner. 
that every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter three, one, two, and three. One makes the argument that we've denied God and that we've tried to do it on our own. Romans two, Romans three. Romans three says all have falls short of the glory of God because we all sin. Romans chapter four. But God takes this one man, Abraham, and through Abraham's obedience, he considers that through faith, obedience, being faith-driven, being something that he can accredit him as righteousness. And then Romans chapter five, Paul the apostle tells us, now we have peace with God through the grace of God that has been displayed through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter six, Paul the Apostle says, should we continue on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid, don't you know that you died with Christ in baptism and you're resurrected to new life? So Paul the Apostle tells us in Romans chapter 6, because of your unity with Christ, because you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, and because of the fact that you've been united with Christ in his death and you've been reunited with Christ in his resurrection, that the truth of the matter is now you're more than a conqueror but that you have to consider the members of your body dead to sin but alive to Christ and that you would give your members of your body over to the will and lordship of Jesus Christ. Now we get to Romans chapter 7. And here it becomes a little complicated because in Romans chapter 7, there are some theologians that believe that Romans chapter 7, Paul is actually talking about his prior life before he was a believer. Because Romans chapter 7 opens us up to, to Paul's struggle with sin. Romans chapter 7 opens us up to Paul's struggle with wrong and, and his struggle with trying to do the right thing. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he says, I look at the law and the law is good. The law is holy. And the law of God tells us that this is how we should be living our life. But because I'm sold as a slave into sin, he says, the Lord tells me I should do this, but instead I do this. Why? Because I find another law in my members waging war against the law of my mind that wants to do good. He says, so I find that there is the law of God that is holy and righteous and good, but then I find the law of sin and death, the law that is motivated by the flesh, and the flesh is always going to be the flesh. Friend, I want to tell you something. You can make up the flesh. You can pump up the flesh. You can try to do everything you can to make the flesh live as long as it wants to. But it's always the flesh. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, you look really good this morning. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you look really good this morning. Man, you look like a fox this morning. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now. Wow, you look good. I want you to turn your name and say, not only that, but you smell good. Mm. Now, if you got to lie on that one, just go ahead and lie on that one. Man, you look good. Man, you smell good. I want you to know, uh, you can pump it up. You can, you can make it up. But the flesh is the flesh. And, and Paul the Apostle said, when I'm motivated by the flesh, when I'm motivated by this body, when I'm motivated by the way I used to think before I was a Christian, it always leads to one thing. It leads to death. It might look good. It might smell good. It might taste good. It might be tempting. But I want you to know that sin will always lead you down the wrong road, and it will always result in death. The 
Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it always leads to death. Sin always leads to death. And Paul, the apostle, says, man, I know that the Bible tells us, tells us that we should love our neighbor, and the Bible tells me that I should do the right thing, but I can't do it. Why? Because there's this other law. There's this, there's this battle that's going on in my heart and in my life, and it's called the law of sin and death. And man, that law tries to drag me down. And when I'm living by the flesh, I always do the wrong thing and cannot do the right thing. So Paul cries out, and some theologians think, well, it was before Paul was ever saved. Some believe it was after. I believe it was before and after because it's always the same result. I don't care if you're saved or not. If you're living by the flesh and you're operating in the flesh and you're thinking like the world, it's always going to lead to death. So Paul the Apostle says, who will rescue me from this body of sin? Who will rescue me from this sinful life? Who will rescue me from the sin's propensity in my life to do what is wrong? And he says, gloriously, in Romans chapter 7, at the end, he says, but thanks be to God, I find my victory in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He says, I'm sold to sin. I'm a slave to sin. I want to do what is right, but I cannot. But then I see the cross, and I see what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and I see that he triumphed over the enemy in my life, and I see that he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of me. And now that I'm born again by the power of God, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I find my victory in Jesus and Jesus alone. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul, the apostle, begins the journey of helping us recognize who we are in Christ Jesus. And he says, therefore, it's there for a reason. It's there because of Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's there because of Romans chapter 4. Abraham was considered righteous through his faith. It's there because of Romans chapter 5. We have peace with God. It's there because of Romans chapter 6. We've been buried with Christ in baptism. We've been raised to new life. It's there because of Romans chapter 7. Man, in my flesh, I can't do it. But when I put my trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, I find my victory. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because what the law was powerless to do, Jesus did it by sending. God said he did it by sending his only son and Jesus did it by dying on the cross for our sins. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You know, this morning, some of you, you might feel condemned. You look at your past and you think to yourself, could God ever love me? Pastor Steve, you don't know all this stuff that I've done in my life. And every time you try to worship the Lord, every time you get, try to get closer to the Lord, there's this voice that says to you, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. The voice of condemnation. You see, there are two voices that are going to be speaking to you in your life as the worship team comes. Two voices that will always speak to you in your life. The enemy and God. The devil, who is, the Bible says, the father of lies. The Bible tells us that the devil has been lying from the beginning. 
and he's always going to lie to you. He's never going to tell you the truth of who you are. He will never, ever remind you that you are a child of God. He will never remind you that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. He will never remind you of the work of the cross. The enemy hates the cross because it's at the foot of the cross that we find our freedom. Hallelujah. The enemy is always going to whisper in your ear and tell you that you're not good enough. You never measure up. And he's always going to remind you of your past. Friend, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, he's always going to tell you you're a failure. And that's condemnation. Condemnation is final. There is a finality to the message of condemnation. You're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. But there's another voice. And if you listen to that voice, it'll pull you out of the pit of discouragement and fear and anxiety and pity. That's the voice of God. You see, there's the voice of con condemnation and, the, and then there's the voice of conviction. The voice of condemnation says, why even bother? You know, in fact, the voice of condemnation starts with temptation. The enemy always makes temptation look so good. You know, when I was a kid, there was the camel man. You remember the camel man? He used to smoke camel cigarettes. He's a big brawny guy. He's a really tough looking dude, you know, big muscles. He looked like me. Now, why is that funny? I wasn't supposed to be funny. Big brawny muscles. He had a, had a cowboy hat on and he was smoking a camel cigarette. And you never saw the camel man laying in a bed dying because he had cancer from smoking cigarettes. Because the enemy is never going to show you the end result of your sin. The enemy is never going to show you the end result of following your flesh always leads to death. Enemy is never going to show you the end result of committing an affair against your spouse and your family being pulled apart, ripped apart, your kids being ripped apart because of it. The enemy is never going to show you the end result of your disobedience to God when God tells you don't go there. So he paints a beautiful picture. And then after you sin, he takes that picture and rips it up and says, this is what you really are. You're despicable. You call yourself a Christian. You, you, you shouldn't even go back to church. Oh, boy, I tell you, right, right now, you walk in the church, Pastor Steve's going to see right by that. He's going to see. He's going to see your sin. And the people in the church, they're going to see that you're a sinner because that's what he does. He tries to keep you out of the presence of God and out of the presence of God's family. But conviction, conviction's different. Conviction says, hey, I love you. you do you really believe that this is going to bring you life by doing that? And God begins to speak to you and tell you how much he cares about you and begins to remind you, you're a child of God. Man, a child of God doesn't operate like that. A child of God is better than that. You don't need that. You got me. God begins to tell you how much, how precious you are in the sight of his son. He begins to remind you of your future, of what God wants to give you. You know, when you want to gossip about somebody, do you really think you should be doing that? You think it's going to bring life and the Holy Spirit begins to, he begins to counsel you. See, there's condemnation. Condemnation never counsels. Then there's conviction. 
Conviction always counsels. There's a better way. There's a better place. There's a better path. But somehow we've got to believe that we are found in Christ because our condemnation comes when we don't recognize that all of our life, everything that we've ever hoped to be is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus finished the work. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about being complete in Christ next week. But the truth is we have no condemnation because we're found in Christ, in Christ alone. And that is the power of Romans chapter 8 to help us to understand. So I want you to stand to your feet right now. And here's what we're going to do in closing this morning. We're going to read. We're going to read our Overcomer's Creed. And we're going to be reminded of who we are. And we're going to recite it together. So I want you to take this Overcomer's Creed and I want you to place it somewhere where you're going to be reminded who you are in Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, I am no longer condemned. Come on, say it with me. I am free from sin and death. Oh, you're getting it. I am complete in Christ. I have a new mind. I live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I am a child of God Almighty. Oh, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God Almighty. Oh, I just got to stop right now and shout glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. And that'll never change. I'm an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ Jesus. Glory to God. My present situation could never compare to my future glory. No matter what I'm going through today, I know that God has a plan. God is at work right now in my present situation. I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. God is for me. No one can stand against me. Jesus is my mediator and my chief intercessor. Nothing, 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 nothing will be able to separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. My friend, if you really believe that, if you really believe every statement found in Romans chapter 8, you would be dancing right now. You'd be shouting right now. You'd be saying, thank you, Jesus, that I am who I am. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a clap offering. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is if you can get this in your spirit and recognize that you are who God calls you to be, you'd be trading your sorrow for the joy of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and help me out right now. Glory to God. Yeah. I'm no longer condemned. I'm trading my Yeah.
Hold on, hold on. There's some Christians in the room here, Curtis. Now, some of them are, are clapping and dancing. I caught a couple of them. Now, 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 Curtis, frankly, I don't understand that. Because I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, every situation, every circumstance Amen. in my life, God's Amen. got it under control. Amen. And even in my suffering, Amen. and even in my pain, yes, God's going to take me home Amen. to see him in glory. Amen. Man, that should make all of us in this room yes, jump sir. and yes, shout. Come on, like, one more time. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. today as, as we conclude the service today. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that through Romans chapter 8, God, Lord, as we begin to dissect and feed off of one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible, God, Lord, may our spirits rise, God. Lord, may we look at ourselves in the mirror every day and say, I'm, I'm not just a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. And Lord, may we wake up in the morning and know I'm not just a winner, but I'm more than a winner, God. May we understand and be aware that, that our present suffering, God, and our present circumstances, Lord God, could never compare to the future glory that will be revealed in us, oh God. Lord, we pray this morning, God, that you would help us to recognize, Lord God, that we're so loved by you, Lord God, so incredibly loved by you that, that, Lord, even when we're going through valleys and trials, Lord God, and situations that we cannot understand, God, that, that we will be so convinced that you love us that we will always say, but God has a reason. For every season, there's a reason. For every trial, there's a victory. That, Lord, you even tell us that the only way that we can mature is to go through difficult times in our life, God. But, Lord, we're going to be the last people standing. Hallelujah, God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Lord, I'm going to be the last man standing, God. <laughs> and Lord, 
The devil can bring it on, and we can say, bring it on, devil. But I'm going to be the last one standing, hallelujah, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, hallelujah, glory to God. That I'm more than a conqueror in all situations in my life. And so, God, I pray right now, Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, for the person in this room, Lord, that feels like they can't go on. God, you know that they came to church this morning saying, Lord, I just don't know how much more I can take of this, Lord. Lord, I don't know how much more strength I have, Lord. I feel weak, Lord. God, God, I pray today that you would touch them by your Holy Spirit, God, and help them to know, Lord Jesus, that you're never going to leave them nor forsake them. You've got a plan. Lord, I pray for the person that lost their loved one, Lord God. Lord, somebody that was so dear to them and they're wondering, God, why did they have to suffer so much, Lord? I pray that they would read Romans chapter 8 again and see that their present suffering could never, could never compare to the glory that would be revealed in them when they get to heaven, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for the person that's struggling over and over and over with that same addiction in their life, God. Help them to see that if the Son set them free, they're free indeed, oh God. That it was for freedom that Christ set them free, oh God. Lord, may they walk in freedom, Lord God, today. But Lord, more than all of those things, Lord, I pray for the person that's watching via live stream today. And I pray for the person, oh God, that's sitting in the overflow down in the cafe. The and the person who's seated in the balcony, Lord God, and the person that's seating on, seated on the first floor, God, I pray that, that if they don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if they died today, they'd go to heaven, that today is the day that they would surrender their life to you and embrace the free gift of eternal life that only comes through Christ, not being good, not going to church, not being religious but accepting the free, absolute free gift of God that's found in the person of Jesus Christ who loved them and died for them so that they might have eternal life, God. Because what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? What does it profit a woman if she should gain the whole world and forfeit her soul? So if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed today, you say, Pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. Between me, you, and God, I'm going to be honest with you, Pastor. I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And there's only two reasons why you wouldn't be certain. One, because you've never given your life to Christ. You've never accepted that free gift of eternal life. I'm not, I, listen, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about re being religious. I'm talking about salvation that comes through Jesus. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of gift, Romans 6, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just have to receive it as a gift. You say, Pastor, I'm not certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven because I've never received that gift. Or maybe you're a Christian and you just keep on wondering, if I died, am I really right with God? Then then you're the person that needs to go deeper in their faith and deeper in the word and learn the word to a point where you understand that it's nothing that you could do other than to receive the gift of eternal life. 
But no matter what is the reason, no matter why you feel like you're not ready to go to heaven, today is the day in which you need to surrender yourself to God and say, God, today's the day that I know that I'm, that I'm ready to meet you, Lord, that, I, that I'm in your hands, that my life is totally given over to you. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, abundant life. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have a life of addiction and doubt and unbelief, but a life of joy and peace and eternal life. You say, Pastor, pray for me right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand quickly. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to pray for you a moment. We've got some counselors that are going to pray for you in a moment. Anybody else in this room? Yes, God bless you. Down in the balcony as well. I want to pray for you and bless you today. And after the service, if you raised your hand and said, Pastor, I really want Jesus to be my Savior, I want you to make your way up to these counselors. And they've got some information for you. They want to pray with you and love on you. But maybe you're not worried about not having eternal life. Maybe you've just been going through some really difficult times in your life. And you say, Pastor, man, there are times when I, I wonder, am I really blessed by God? Friend, don't let your trials determine whether or not you believe you're blessed by God. But you say, Pastor, I just need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to love on me. I need somebody to agree with me. I need somebody to help me believe that even the very things that I'm going through today, God has a purpose and a plan. I want you right now to just raise your hand if that's you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I'm going through some stuff, heavy stuff today. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Lord, I pray for those that raised their hand and said, Lord, I want to know for sure that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I pray that they would give their lives to you and accept the free gift of eternal life. And Lord, for those that are raising their hands and saying, Lord, I'm a Christian, but man, I'm just going through a difficult time. Lord, may I walk in victory. Lord, bless them today and touch them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, I want you all in this place one last time. If you believe in all of those 13 statements of who you are in Christ, then we're going to leave this place today. And if you raise your hand, there's some counselors that want to pray with you. But we're going to leave this place today in joy. Amen? You know, the church ought to be the happiest place in all the world. You ought to come to church and say, man, today I'm going to the happy place. I'm going to the place where I'm reminded who I am in Christ. I'm going to the place where I'm reminded of God's love in my life. So we're going to, we're going to sing one more time, I'm trading my sorrows. And don't forget... Look at me. Don't forget, God has a plan for your life, and it's big. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus.